Welcome to Sparking Wholeness, where we talk all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Erin Carey. I'm a survivor of bipolar disorder and a self-proclaimed nutrition nerd who loves asking why. As a certified integrative nutrition health coach, my goal is to help people find balance, and I want to help you find ways to spark wholeness in your life. For more information, check out sparkingwholeness.com or on the Instagram handle, Sparking Wholeness. And now, get ready for today's awesome show. Hey everybody, it's Erin Carey. Welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. Today, I am speaking with Dr. Roseanne Kapana-Hodge. Dr. Roseanne is a mental health trailblazer, founder of the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health and Dr. Roseanne and Associates, who is changing the way we view and treat children's mental health. Forbes magazine called her a thought leader in children's mental health. Her work has helped thousands reverse the most challenging conditions such as ADHD, anxiety, mood, autism, learning disability, Lyme, and PANS pandas using proven holistic therapies such as neurofeedback, biofeedback, and psychotherapy. She is the author of the first ever book on teletherapy activities for child and adolescent therapists. It's called Teletherapy Toolkit, and it's going to be okay book. And sorry, these are two different books, right? (laughs) And the Get Unstuck program, which are resources for parents to reverse their child's symptoms. She is often featured on dozens of media outlets, Fox, CBS, NBC, Forbes, Parents, and New York Times. So, wow, that is, you are such a wealth and I appreciate you being on the show today. Well, thanks for having me here and doing so much to support, you know, mental and physical health of kids. Yeah, because if we don't catch it when they're kids, you know, and don't support them young, it it can get a lot harder later on. And so I I just love everything that you're doing. So I want to start with this anxiety epidemic in kids. What is going on? And this has been happening before 2020. It's been happening for a while. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Let's just go after it. You know, jump in because this, (laughs) I have some pretty strong opinions about this. And for me, it's very clear. Uh, You know, I've been doing children's mental health. This is my 30th year of helping kids and their families. And I feel very privileged to do that. But in these three decades, I've really been able to actually watch what's happening, right? Because we can only connect the dots looking backwards, not looking forwards. And so there's some kind of things sort of happening all at the same time. Uh, Certainly, why is there an increase in stress and anxiety? We have a cultural shift towards um, living a very high stress lifestyle, not enough sleep, you know, poor diet, you know, um, very, very intense academics that quite frankly is developmentally inappropriate. And I say that as a a trained, um, uh, school psychologist who did, you know, neuropsych and psychoed testing for 22 years, um, and did a lot of observations, hundreds of observations in schools and, and working with, you know, teams at schools and families. So there, there's that part of it. Then we have an increase in genetic mutations, which are making our kids more susceptible to uh, mental health, autoimmune issues, because their body can't properly utilize certain nutrients and detoxify, which then, of course, is a, that's the link behind the, the mental health issues. And then we have a change in parenting. So we've gone from our kids, myself growing up in the seventies and eighties, being way more independent, um, having a lot more, uh, ability to be autonomous and letting kids 
fail. Um, when I grew up, hardly anybody was a straight A student. <laughs> uh, I seem to do okay. And let me tell you, I wasn't a straight A student. So we are really helicoptering our kids. And as a result, we, we don't want them to experience discomfort and pain. And what does that mean? They can't tolerate stress. Their lack of coping skills is directly impacting their resilience. And so, you know, resilience to me is, has three parts to it, right? I talk about a resiliency mindset and it's how you view, manage and recover from stress. So today kids right out of the gate view stressors differently. They, they, they are feeling, uh, they're very activated because of their lifestyles and what's going on and not having enough downtime and, um, you know, too much of this over-focus on academics and not enough on social, um, which we know through research leads to more social interactions uh, and a lot of play-based learning when kids are younger is greater happiness. Um, and then these kids don't have these tools to manage the stressors. So it's multifaceted, but, you know, for sure, our kids are less independent. We think of them as smarter because I'm going to tell you kids are really smart but they don't know how to problem solve and manage stress on their own. Mm, yeah. And you mentioned something that really speaks to me. I taught middle school for 11 years and um, you mentioned the developmentally inappropriate curriculum. Yes. That, yes, I see that. And um, is there, is there an awareness about that or is it, do you feel like you're just kind of sounding the alarm and nobody's picking up I or? Such a good question. Is there awareness about that education right now is developmentally inappropriate? I think parents know it. Um, I think some parents, you know, having worked on both sides of school in a school and then as a consultant for parents and also as a consultant for, for private schools to understand what happens, some parents push, you know, this as teachers for more for their kids, more, more, more. Um, we are operating under this false assumption that good grades means happiness. Um, and that good, if you have good grades, it, it means you can't have a mental health issue. That's a whole other topic, mm. but we now are like, you must go to college. You must do these things. And I believe there's alternative routes to, you know, uh, career. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, and I don't believe as somebody who has a doctorate, I'm saying, I don't believe that everybody should go to college. Um, and that you can get training in other ways, right? There, there's so many ways to get training and you could, you could learn how to become a digital marketer and make a whole beans worth of money or be a video um, processor or some other thing. There's so many incredibly high paid jobs out there in the world, um, electrician, plumber, tradesperson, whatever it is. But, you know, educators, I think, realize they're just constantly pushing these kids. I mean, when Common Core came out, which must have been in your educational training, so not long ago, little, yeah. little research behind it, all of a sudden it came in as a wave. And that's when I really started to see dramatic uptick in kids' stress and anxiety. Um, it changed how we were teaching. It focused on the process and not the content. And for some kids, a small minority of kids, I think they like that. Um, but 
a lot of kids don't learn best like that. And we want to go deep and that's how we learn. Right. I think, oh my gosh, if I was a kid today, I wouldn't make it right. So that developmentally inappropriate education, you know, is really, really driving a lot of what's going on. I mean, in this common core time, I would see what was expected in writing for a third grader in a very short amount of time when it first came out, maybe within three years, that same paragraph that was expected by a third grader was expected by a first grader, you know, and then you see such an uptick in young children having issues, you know, it's very, very stressful, very stressful for kids and teachers. Absolutely. And for parents, I see it all the time right now, people posting on social media, like my kids are trying to do their math homework and I want to help them, but I can't because the math that they're doing is different from how I learned it. It's overwhelming for everybody. And you know, the stress from the parents and the teachers that just gets passed down to the kids. And actually, this is a really great time to thank our sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Talkspace. As we're discussing trying to balance work and home and relationships and kids' homework and all of that, this is challenging to everyone. But on top of these everyday obligations, we have to deal with the underlying fear and uncertainty from the pandemic with so much of our normal support systems no longer in place. Working with a therapist can give you that support that you're missing right now. Having someone to talk through your worries and help prioritize what's really important can work wonders. Because now more than ever, it is a good idea to seek out a little extra help for our busy, demanding lives. Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform that has thousands of licensed therapists trained in over 40 specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more. Your therapist can help you set and achieve your goals. What I really love about Talkspace is that it's just a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy. And instead of waiting for an appointment, you can send unlimited messages to your therapist 24-7 and they'll engage with you daily, five days a week. As a listener of this podcast, you will get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use the code SPARKINGWHOLENESS to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's SPARKINGWHOLENESS and Talkspace.com. Now, I, I want to get back into these genetic mutations that you're talking about and the ones that you say are so prevalent right now. Which are you specifically seeing and how do they affect mental health? So the most, there's two very, there's a lot of genetic mutations and I talk about it in my book. It's going to be okay. That's coming out in May. Um, but um, there's two that are very, very common in mental health. And one is MTHFR and the other is COMAT, C-O-M-T. Um, and MTHFR is a, is an increasingly known genetic mutation because it's so common. There's estimates somewhere between 50 to 70% of the U S population has it. Uh, that's a lot of people. <laughs> and what is this mutation? So you lack an enzyme in your body's ability to process the B vitamins. And there are nine B vitamins and they are essential. Um, and some of the most impactful are things like B6, which we need to help us with sleep. And there's a lot to do with neurotransmitters need B6. Um, and then B12, really, really important for your attention, your focus, and a lot of nervous system components. Um, and then folate, 
So if you don't, if you don't have enough folate, you can't detox. So, and we all think, well, what do kids have to, you know, detox? Well, infants are born with over 270 toxins. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you are exposed to over a thousand toxins a day, the average person. Um, so we need to have a system that clears it out. And if it gets clogged up, where do those toxins land? your organs and your brain is an organ. So that's leading to, you know, a lot of issues related to mental health, but also autoimmune diseases. So, and COMAT has a lot to do with mental health. And, and a lot of this is, you know, um, again, people find these answers. They find people like me when they, uh, are looking for help and they go down a road and that doesn't work. And they go down a road and that doesn't work. And then people are like, well, you got to go to Dr. Roseanne because she's that person that figures it out. Um, and you know, this information is out there. You just have to become a Google MD and, and start really looking right. And finding information that that's part of why I am doing what I'm doing is to give people places that have accurate information from good people, whether it's for myself or I have colleagues speaking with me um, because you just don't know when you're hurting and your kid is suffering, you need help. Um, and you wanna alleviate that as quickly as you can because it takes a long time for people to find help, a really long time that's gonna really make a difference and change you know, a kid's behavior or emotional functioning or social functioning or learning. you know. Um, and yes, you know, it's a good for kids to go through some strife, but suffering is really different, you know, and it's unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I think kids are so unique in that they don't always show anxiety the way that maybe adults show anxiety. And so what are some things that we can look for, whether we are parents, caregivers, teachers, what do we look for that goes, oh, they're anxious right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what do we say? Yeah. So, um, kids don't show it the same way and, you know, but yet there's an overlap between what adults show and kids show. Right. So like often when we're worried about something or upset or we are anxious, um, our sleep is impacted. So kids will have difficulty getting to sleep or staying asleep, or maybe even waking up. That's a real telltale sign that something is off, right? With our kids. Um, and, you know, we often think that our kids are, have to be like crying day and night. Some kids do, um, or are showing these big extremes. And sometimes they are like that, right? You know, as myself, as a mom with a kid with pants, let me tell you, there's some big extremes and behaviors that you see that are like, oh, we're going through a rough period right now. But a lot of times they're slow build. Your kid who might be anxious might be afraid to try new things. Um, and, but when they're home, they might be much more, um, you know, open to things. So you're like, wow, they're really anxious when they're there. Might be afraid to talk to people. Um, and then you want to look for physical complaints like, uh, headaches, stomach aches, uh, gastrointestinal issues are one of the most common issues that people with anxiety show. Um, and that's so, so important. I can't even tell you how many times somebody has come to me because I was the last stop and they had cyclical vomiting. Like they were vomiting every night, but had been cleared and checked out and nothing was physically wrong with them. And it was always anxiety. Right. And I was like, let's just treat it like anxiety. 
with some neurofeedback or biofeedback and boom, every single time it just would get better. I mean, I've even had kids faint um, on a regular basis due to stress. Um, and then really extreme changes, as I noted in behavior, you want to watch for all of a sudden your kids withdrawn, all of a sudden your kid is crying all of a sudden they're, they're angry, or there's some kind of build to that. And then my biggest caution for parents is they rely on, as I mentioned earlier, the grades being the benchmark for, um, knowing if a kid has a mental health issue. So you can be a straight A student and have serious clinical depression. You could be suicidal. You could be anxious, mildly severe. You can have social, you can have anything. I, I worked with a national merit scholar that had OCD so severe that the school could like, did not believe that they were that impacted because he was a straight A student. And the kid himself was crying in the meeting saying, I have four hours a day of rituals. And they're like, but how do you do this? And I was like, you're going to give this kid a 504. <laughs> he just sat here and told you his four hours of rituals. And, you know, and it was just painful to be in there. That even the school people were doubting that he had these issues after we explained what he did, that he would go up and down and take all this, take all the towels and put them in the washer. And then that he'd have to rewash him and all these other things. And this was four hours or more of rituals a day. Um, so don't think if your kid has good grades that they're okay. If you suspect a problem, there probably is a problem and nobody ever regrets getting help. They only regret when they don't. Um, and a super, super surprising statistic is that um, it takes According to NAMI, uh, it takes 11 years from the onset of a problem till, till somebody gets proper mental health help. Wow. And I'm, I think that's pretty accurate considering what I see and how long people, the, the hoops people have to go through, right? Um, and shocking meds and trying to find like, yeah. Or- Yeah. Because what happens is what's our normal protocol, right? So when I was trained, it was never never you, you talk about meds first, right? It was like, we do this therapy. We try this therapy. We do that. Now it's like, try meds first, then maybe try some therapy. Um, and people are under this false assumption that everything is biochemical. It's I'm here to tell you that it's not, it's a lot of times something else. You have a genetic mutation or you have chronic stress. So chronic stress can lead to anxiety. Chronic stress can lead to OCD. Chronic stress can lead to depression. And that's really surprising for parents because they're constantly told pharma is king, right? And they don't really understand, you know, and and I know you understand this, that how much is behind that. There's a lot of money behind it. Um, And my field, mental health is highly influenced by pharma, Um, and you will get, you know, people are not open to some of these things, despite having a ton of research, even just between dietary. If you, if I talk about dietary changes in a licensed therapist group, you're going to get some pissed off, angry people saying that it's not okay that we talk about it. And I'm like, well, it is okay. Cause I have a double certification in it just to cover myself, but anybody can talk about the, the research based benefits of a simple anti-inflammatory diet. You know, does a tremendous amount for mental health and it's well-documented. You're not saying do it, but you can talk to people about it and explain and little tweaks can make a huge difference in 
how a kid pays attention or your stress levels. It's, it's may or may not be the fixer, but it's a great start and it can help alleviating symptoms pretty quick. I agree. I've seen it in my own life and my kids totally agree. And to your point about grades, I have to throw this in there because I think that this is so important. The semester in college that I was on the president's list, best grades of my college career, I was almost hospitalized for a complete breakdown. I uh, was diagnosed when I was 18, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and it was just back and forth playing the med game because nobody did a genetic test to determine what I could absorb. Well, what I, what was good for my body. And and in some of those cases, I was doped up so much that I couldn't feel anymore, you know? Yeah. And, and I know there are so many kids out there whose parents are like, their personalities are different because they're on medication and they're not. And I wish somebody had told me about these other tools. And like, so that 11 year thing blows my mind, but I see that it's true. So it's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm just like, ah, I love this conversation. So tell me about um, some of the dietary changes that you've seen most effective in, in kids. Yeah. I mean, oh gosh, you know, I mean, in the perfect world, if I can get people, and I'm not saying you have to do this, but I'm saying the, the way to optimize your brain at any age. So this is the same diet for somebody who's 78. Okay. I'll tell you guys about Grammy Hodge at 74 and your, your kid who's one is the same diet. When you take away gluten, dairy, and sugar, you are maxing up your brain power, brain power. You are putting, because you're not eating crap. And so you put in more nutrients and guess what? It works better. So when you flip your dialogue and you think about it like that, I think that's the thing people don't realize, you know, um, you know, my, uh, my husband's family, um, on his mother's side has a lot of vitality. They don't get old until their nineties. Right. So Grammy Hodge, she's down last week. She's literally sledding with the kid. She black diamond skis. <laughs> she rides her bike 50 miles, 50 miles, oh not in the middle of winter. I can't even keep up with her. We take her to Disney world. We get back to the room and she says, where's the gym? I mean, you know, she's unbelievable. So, you know, she, because she hangs out with us and the Hodges are gluten and dairy free, very, very low sugar. We're mostly paleo. Um, and my kids, you know, they eat some gluten-free grains, but maybe two times a week, they're not even drawn to that. And they want, they want like shrimp, lobster, steak, calamari, <laughs> you know, the things, the budget busters that kids want, you know, I'm always like, you better make sure you get trained inside and nobody's paying for this thing. Um, and they eat a lot of vegetables and fruit and that's what they want. That's what they want. But, um, so when you eat like this, you're, you're not only getting nutrients, those are inflammatory foods. And so we now know through clinical research, everything I do is neuroscience informed and research backed when you, what comes out of my mouth, I've researched it. There's statistics. My book has over 40 pages of citations just to you know, all the people that say, oh, this isn't true. Vitamin D, it doesn't do this. Well, let's get some research stats in here and, and talk about why it is true and the evidence behind it. So, you know, when you eat like this, that inflammation being lower, we know that inflammation leads to a host of other things. So to optimize your brain. Now, I also want to be respectful of the parents I work with, because a lot of the parents I work with, they're mostly special needs kids. Um, they're shut down, they're stuck. Um, some of my kids eat five foods. 
Some of my kids eat 10 foods. Very, very common if you've got sensory issues or you've been eating like this and then your foods gets more restrictive, right? Um, so, you know, you start somewhere. You just start somewhere. And my favorite place to start is with a smoothie. Like, I'm like, if we could do the power pack smoothie with an almond or coconut milk, some spinach or kale, they're like, no, they won't have it. I said, just start with like two pieces, just, just two and, um, some frozen veggie, some frozen fruit. Um, and if you have to a, a vegan uh, protein, if I, I have a lot of kids who don't have any protein, um, and that's a whole other subject, but when I do a QEG brain map, I can tell when you're not getting, when you're not eating enough protein or you're not absorbing protein, I could see both. And so you really need to do that. And it just starts changing things and then you do it at a slower pace. Right. But, um, and there's alternatives to sugar. I know everyone freaks out about it. You can do maple syrup, you can do honey, you can do agave, you can do stevia. You just got to change it, you know, make lifestyle changes and not just for your kid, do it for your family. So, you know, Grammy Hodge had a cough. We made her do like full elimination gluten, no cough, you know? And uh, she's like, I just, you just feel so different when you talk, you know, you know this, right. When you talk to people and they change, you're like, wow, I feel so different, Mm -hmm. you know? Yep. And to have the brain power. I, I think that that is so important. And if adults feel it when, you know, adults will go on whole 30 or whatever it is. Yes. I feel so amazing. This is so great, but their kids are still eating McDonald's or whatever, you know, it's like, wait a minute, if you're realizing that you feel amazing and your brain is awake (laughs) and you're sleeping better, why wouldn't you continue it? And and don't you think your kids also could benefit from some of these little tweaks too? I think that that's, that's really good. And it's not to say you can't have, like, I have dark chocolate. I get keto chocolate. You know, um, I also buy these, there's this place in Connecticut called divine treasures. I'm not an affiliate best organic (laughs) vegan chocolate ever. And whenever I gift anybody, anything, I send them chocolates there and people literally call me. I have the best voice messages. And they're always people eating the chocolate, telling me it's the best chocolate they ever had in their lives. It's pretty crazy, but it's so, so good. It's what I ask for. I'm like, my husband's like, what do you want a Valentine's Day? I'm like a box of chocolates from Divine Treasures. Um, but so you can have sweets. You don't have to give up things. You just can't have junk. You can't have food that's poor quality. Mm-hmm. So you want to make a cake? Well, make it yourself, you know, buy a mix. Or, or, you know, where I live and I want to be respectful of where people live in the country, you know, we have places you can go to a beautiful gluten-free bakery and you can have a treat once in a while, you know? Um, so there's lots of alternatives. You just kind of change your mindset about it. And, and I think when we think, see our kids in pain, what happens to me is I always get people to make change because they're in the, this we got to do, we're going to do this. And they're like, okay, you know, um, and I'm, and you know, how much further could they be along? And some of my families already are doing this work and they're like, we're still stuck. And I'm like, okay, but now it will be easier for the brain. So one of the most fascinating things is I do neurofeedback and biofeedback and PMF, and you will have much greater change if you are a clean eater coming in here. And it's amazing to me how much more malleable, how much neuroplasticity, flexibility, the brain has when you're eating really, really well, anti-inflammatory diet, paleo diet, keto, um, these kind of things, dramatic difference in neurofeedback, dramatic. 
That so. is interesting. You're able to see that. So tell me a little bit, let's get into the neurofeedback and all yeah. these fun tools that you use. Um, what are they? How do you use them? And what do you see from your clients that, that yeah. utilize these tools? So, so, so bio, let's talk about what they are and then we'll talk about how you use them. So, so biofeedback is something that's been around over 80 years and it's using technology um, to help you get conscious control of one of your, what we call autonomic body functions. So heart, um, heart rate, breath, your temperature, your muscles, and it's mostly used for pain, stress. Um, those, those tend to be the two biggest things they're used for other things, but in muscles too, like, you know, um, women can do it because they have pelvic floor issues or you have a, you had an accident, you need to retrain a muscle. A lot of athletes use it for peak performance. So all the major athletes, by the way, do neurofeedback and biofeedback. Um, so they'll have whole team teams will be trained, uh, and they'll have somebody there. So it's very, very highly used in soccer and, um, actually all the major things. It's just an NFL. They're using it for concussion, um, a lot and repairing. And then neurofeedback is, um, training the brain through the subconscious. So it's surprising to people to know this, but about 95 to 99.5% of the time, our subconscious is in control. Okay. So we think we're awake right now, but actually our subconscious is driving things. And so neurofeedback is so powerful because you're doing brainwave retraining and you can, um, you can change very specific regions in the brain. So great example, ADD, ADD looks exact, you know, you know exactly what it is, right? So I do a QEG brain map and it, it looks at the surface electrical activity. If you come to my center, if you're working with me remotely, we do a brain check where we take averages when the equipment gets to you. And so what you're looking for is pattern. So ADD is so easy to see. It's incredible. And people come in here all the time and say they have ADD and half the time it's not. It's half the time. It's something else at least half the time. So, uh, you will have too many unfocused brainwaves in the front and then not enough focused brainwaves. It's very, very classic. It takes the guesswork out. It's like, okay, this is ADD. So you would reinforce a person. You put the equipment on, they get reinforced for changing their brainwaves. So it happens through the computer. And it's really, really simple because it's based on operant conditioning. Nothing comes through the wires. The person sitting there, the subconscious brain says, if I change my brainwaves in this region, this movie will play because that's what we use. Dinging points, this, that bars moving. You get all these visual reinforcements. And within two to three seconds, the brain will instantaneously produce the right combination of brain waves. It just doesn't stay there. So it's like going to the gym one time. You feel pretty awesome when you're there, but you really need to go 20, 30, 40, 50 times. So, um, so most people are doing twice a week two to three times a week. And then they typically do about 40 or so sessions. And I think one of the biggest reasons people uh, feel don't notice a difference is they discontinue too early. Um, but it's very powerful that thousands, tens of thousands of research studies. And then how do I use these things? So everybody's coming into me activated. They're so stressed. Their nervous system is in this stress mode. And once you're in what we call that sympathetic dominant high stress mode, when you should be in a relaxed parasympathetic state, you know, physiologically, 
the stress response is that, you know, what happens to your body is your frontal lobes aren't going to work as well, if at all. And their design, it's a primitive kind of reflex for your frontal lobes to go offline. So you're not going to be able to think clearly. So what do we do to people who are activated? We tell them to go and sit and talk therapy when they can't even process what you're saying. Um, so what we do is we calm the nervous system down and then we pair it with new learning. And sometimes it's psychotherapy and sometimes it's coaching, um, depending on what's going on. And we, we believe in very specialized types of psychotherapy and coaching. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's when people do the work, they make some changes, they follow along, people, you know, do really incredibly well. And, you know, that's why I always say I've helped so many people reverse issues because I've worked with many people that whatever their client clinical diagnosis, autism, pans, pandas, some of the most challenging things that they no longer have those clinical symptoms, but it's definitely pieces, right? There's no magic bullet. Yeah. Yeah. And I bet my guess would be, it'd be interesting to know this, um, after their nervous system is more regulated, they're able to make better decisions, even about the food that they're eating. Right. Because we can't choose so well healthy said. food when we're in stress, it's just not going to work. So those same kids. So when I have a kid who's restricted 20 or less foods, okay, this is what I say to parents. We're not even going to go there right? We're going to do the neurofeedback. I'm going to soften them up. That's what I call. So, cause these kids are always those kids that are like, you have you crying as a parent. Like, you know, these are challenging kids. These are kids that are no, always no, they never say yes. And they're going to give you a run for your money. Right. I got one kid that's easy and another kid that's like, oh, okay, I gotta wait for him to say no <laughs> and think about it. And that's just the way it is. Right. And, but when your kids are restricted eater, it's rough because we have all this guilt and we're like, the kids should be eating and they won't. And I get it. And, and you can't force them. What are you going to do? Hold them down. So the neuro will soften them, soften them up and make them much more open. I mean, I remember the one kid that I had, I did have a kid that had five foods. Okay. And he was like 15 when I got him and they had to bring him the food. It had to be hot. It was like French fries and nuggets. He had to have it brought to him at school where he wouldn't eat. And they would get like the organic ones. They did everything they could. It, you should, nobody should eat five food. So we wind up getting him to about 23 foods. Wow. I mean, they couldn't have been more happy. It was incredible. Like I was like 23, like I was like, let's keep going, you know? <laughs> um, but it was pretty life-changing because, you know, here we did, we, we quadrupled almost, you know, five times what he was eating and it just made parenting easier. Right. It was like, you know, what happens if you're at a restaurant and they don't have one of the five foods? Like, you know, they had to be super, super careful. So definitely creates a more, that stress level goes down. You're more open to make choices, right? Because when you're super stressed, you're in survival mode, you're going to be saying no to everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That goes for all of us adults as well. I think Yes, <laughs> too. It's important to note. Um, yeah. So when do we know if, if our child has a more serious issue like pans or pandas and, and for anybody who's listening going, is that a, you're talking about a bear now? Yeah. Maybe you could break down what that is. Yeah. So pans and pandas and autoimmune encephalopathy are three separate conditions, but basically the gist of it is, is that, um, there is, uh, an a, immune trigger. Some, there's a response, something in the environment, a virus or a toxin creates a misdirected immune 
a response and the body turns against itself and it creates a lot of inflammation and, um, pans can be multiple infections, tick-borne and Epstein-Barr, probably the two most common. Uh, I'm going to throw COVID in there now too, because we're going to yeah. start seeing a lot more of that. And yeah. I have too. And then pandas is strep and autoimmune encephalopathy is a little different because it's more of a slow build where pans and pandas, you have to have a sudden onset or an acceleration of an existing condition. So you can be ADD and then all of a sudden your kid's ADD like overnight goes off the the charts. Like I had a mom this week and, and, you know, I talk about things um, in, in a way that protects everybody's environment. Cause this is a super common thing. Like literally happens to me every week where the kid was like just a textbook textbook case of pans where the, she was like, but they tested them and they said, no, no, she, she could, she literally was like on this illness when she was this age, tick started. And then all of a sudden this started and it's not, I was like, this is pants. We don't need to get any more blood work. You already got blood work. Uh, it, it's a clinical diagnosis. This is pants. So, you know, when, when should you be worried that your kid has an issue that's more serious? Well, if you're worried, serious, right? Um, but I think whenever a kid is stuck and you're trying things like, you know, you, you're, you've got other kids and you know, your parenting's okay. <laughs> um, and you're working with them and, um, and they're just not moving forward. That's when you seek help. You see a sudden change, get help. Um, so many of these people with PANS, PANDAS, AE, they are like, what happened to my kid? And they'll go, they'll look for medical help. And the problem is people aren't trained. Um, and that's where a lot of times, whether it's a psychologist or a, med- a medical provider, you want to find somebody with a functional background. Um, and why is that? We connect the dots. We're, we're not somebody who says this is a symptom in isolation, which is the fault of the American medical system. Um, and it's just better. Unfortunately, there's not enough of us out in the world. Um, and I thought me doing this for, I've only been holistic in my entire practice. Um, I would have thought at this point we'd have more trained people, which we do, but I would have thought at this point, it would almost would have been the standard of care. So there's a lot of reasons why, but, you know, changes in your child's behavior, changes in friendships, changes in their sleep. If you're a parent and you're helping your kid and you don't know what to do, get parent help. I mean, there's no shame in it. Again, nobody ever regrets getting help. They only are like, oh my gosh, I wish I had done that earlier. Yeah. I hear that every day. And I'm always like, you're here because you should be here. But, you know, we know the facts that it would be easier on everybody. Right. Yeah. When you're saying that, you know, you mentioned Epstein-Barr and I have to throw this in there because just for my own health history, I found this fascinating that I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder while right at the same time I was diagnosed with mononucleosis Ah. and I was not sleeping. I was what they considered manic, but you know, looking back, I mean, this is 20 years ago. I don't know if I actually was bipolar. There were those root issues that weren't even looked at, you know, like I would think that that would be like an aha, like, huh, mono, but not sleeping. That's strange. (laughs) Well, do you know how many times people come to me with these extreme situations and then you just do the history? I mean, um, so one of the most common, um, sources, tick-borne infection sources of very serious mental health issues, um, schizophrenia, 
bipolar, Mm -hmm. um, extreme OCD is Bartonella and Bartonella. Right. And so um, a lot of people with Bartonella have a rash and it is a stretch mark rash. If you want to Google Bartonella rash, Mm -hmm. you'll know exactly what it looks like. So always when I have somebody who's presenting with psychosis, I'm like, do you have a stretch mark rash? And, you know, we do some pre-screening on on the phone to make sure that I can even help somebody. Right. Um, And I'm going to tell you every time they do. And so it's just a connection to a deeper psychosis, you know, issues like around psychosis and other mental health issues, but um, related to bipolar, Rosalie Greenbaum was, uh, is a psychiatrist in, I believe, New Jersey. And she was, her specialty is bipolar teens. And one day, I, I guess it was well over a dozen years ago, she had a client that went on antibiotics for Lyme. And lo and behold, his bipolar went away. So being somebody who was like, and I got to give her credit because she's, she's, you know, an elderly person and she was like, I got to look further at this. So she did a research study and over 89% of her population had at least one tick-borne illness. So she became this huge advocate in testing for Lyme and treating for tick-borne illnesses um, for people that have, you know, more significant, you know, bipolar, other issues and whatnot. And when I say it's more significant is that it's often treated so poorly. Mm -hmm. So the clients are in such distress um, that their behavior becomes hard to manage in terms of a parent. And even if you're married to somebody or on your own, so we don't have, we don't always, we definitely don't treat people the way that they should be treated in mental health, um, for sure. But I thought that was fascinating to her research. Um, and also I just give her so much credit to be somebody who's been doing something for so long and then having an aha moment and saying, I could be doing better, right? Because I work with psychiatrists and whatnot in the past and they, they work with the kids and they see there's infectious disease and yet they don't start testing for it in their clients. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope that we are seeing changes happening, but it does seem to be a lot slower than that. I know I would like for it to be. <laughs> we are seeing changes because people are sick and tired of being sick and tired and they're pushing things. So, you know, for all the parents out there, I mean, you are the CEO of your own health. And I tell people all the time, I come in, I give my opinion. You don't want to do it. That's okay. You don't have to work with me, but, you know, get, get information, do research. And, you know, parents will say, oh, you probably don't like it that I looked it up on Google. And I'm like, no, I love it. Like, go ahead, you know, try to get good sources Um, and certainly there's a lot of good sources now, you know, 15 years ago, it was a lot of wacky stuff and and there still is, but there's a lot of great resources. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. What are some other things, other support tools that you have for parents to help empower them to empower their kids to be more resilient? Yeah. So, um, I have an awesome, um, freemium for parents, um, that I developed because I'm trying to help parents give their kids coping skills, um, and build that resilience. And so, uh, it's, I have over a hundred coping statements and they can go to teletherapy toolkit bonus.com 
and they can download these statements because as I talk about little waves create big waves and what we want to do and what parents can do is we want to cue our kids to learn how to tolerate stress and problem solve. So instead of like, if your kid, um, you know, uh, fell down, right. And they're really okay. Instead of running up and be like, Oh my gosh, are you okay? You know, let your kid get up and be like, Holy moly, you handled that like a pro, you know, and, and have a different attitude about it. Because if you are always your child's life preserver, they're never going to be their own life preserver. And we need to have our kids be autonomous. We know that autonomy is so linked to mental health, good mental health, not just today and in the future. Um, My parents were certainly not perfect parents, but boy, did they raise me to be independent and gave us a lot of power around actually big decisions, like big things. You know, when I was 12 years old, my parents um, my mom gave me the Christmas money and said, you're in charge of all the Christmas shopping <laughs> and here's the money. You take care of it. You wrap it, whatever. She didn't even check in on me. She was like, you're going to do it. You can do a great job. You love shopping. Here you go. Boom. It was the best thing ever. I loved it. Clearly it had an impact on me in that it was like, okay, she's going to trust me with this, you know? So, um, and those are the kind of things my parents always did throughout my life, you know? And if I messed up on it, she'd be like, what does she care? You know what I mean? It wasn't like that serious, you know? Um, so really giving your kids that ability to cope and learn how to be independent is, as we talked about, we're helicoptering kids. This is really the, really the helpful thing. And it takes some, just some shifts in how you work with your kids, you know, and you will see the parenting payoff when you do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. And so I'll definitely link that, um, teletherapy toolkit bonus.com. I'll link that in the show notes. So anybody can just click on that and find it that way. Uh, yeah. Now you mentioned something earlier about protein and (laughs) I know that's a whole other rabbit hole. Um, but you know, it's one thing to eat protein. We all want to eat protein. It's helpful. I know the difference I feel when I don't, when I do, you know, but digesting protein, what happens if we can't digest protein or our kids can't digest? Yeah. I mean, you, your tummy can feel funny as a kid, right. And, um, it's definitely going to cause some gastrointestinal distress, um, and your brain's not going to get it. So we want to make sure that we're digesting. And so ideally you're getting enzymes from, uh, raw foods, uh, raw fruits and vegetables. Sometimes that does a trick for people, but even I once a day give my kids digestive enzymes to help them break down their food. Um, and I find it to be really, really helpful. Both my kids don't ever really, you know, we, we have solid stomachs because I've done a lot of probiotics, but um, you want to make sure, you know, if your kid is, is having in, in gastrointestinal difficulties with kids, not just related to stress are incredibly common, whether you, you know, have issue, bowel issues, um, or just regular tummy aches. I, I was talking to an adult last night and he says he remembers this being young as three or four and laying on his bed with stomach aches. Um, and he now believes he was celiac. So, wow. um, but that's really, 
I know. Is that unbelievable? He said it was just a, con- so many people come to my house and no, no dairy or gluten is allowed at my house. And I don't want any of the kids to feel excluded. Right. And right. a lot of my friends do that. And you have one thing, then somebody feels bad and whatever. And plus mm-hmm. my food's way better. So, um, but so many people would come to me and say to me that I was only house they, they could eat at without having a stomach ache. And I'd say, well, why don't you give up dairy and gluten? And then, you know, the whole, you know, that you get the excuses or whatever, but I don't know. I only do things that make me feel good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not that hard to convince me if I'm going to have a terrible stomach ache and gas and bloating, you know, but gas and bloating is a, is a good a, a sign that you could be having difficulty digesting protein and an enzyme is a great add-on and there's chewable ones that are good qualities for kids. Do you agree? Oh, we're big fans of enzymes with, with my family as well. Yeah. And we, we haven't had my, I mean, this is TMI on my kids, but we haven't had too many issues with going to the bathroom, but every once in a while, you know, depending on where we've been or if we've been, you know, it it changes or if we're out of town, you know, when you go on vacation, everything kind of changes. And so I love having those on hand. What are some other supplements that you've used with kids? Do you use anything like L-theanine or GABA? Have you found any of those to be successful? I am a huge fan of supplements and actually my biggest downloads on my website are all about supplements because everybody wants information about what they should take and the dosages and whatnot. I have like essentials that everybody should take and it's magnesium. I'll tell you the kind of magnesium I like. It's essential fatty acid, um, vitamin D. Those are like my, and, and a good probiotic you know, are non-negotiables. And I love for, for, you know, I work with so many kids that are struggling with focus and mood and attention and anxiety. Um, There's so many kinds of magnesiums. I'm a lover of them all. I take like three or four of them myself. I Mm -hmm. take a magnesium bath. Um, And, but I love for brain processing um, and calming the nervous system at the same time and deepening sleep, L-theanate. So L-theanate is a type of magnesium. It's not easy to find because it is a higher quality one, but it's very powerful. And I don't think I've ever had somebody who hasn't noticed a difference on the first day of taking it. It's that wow. it crosses a blood brain barrier. Um, and then, you know, a magnesium bath, getting not Epsom salt, a magnesium bath, you can buy magnesium salts on Amazon or locally, um, is a great way to help kids, you know, calm their nervous system down. And, you know, vitamin D, everybody's deficient. It's important. You need it. It's, um, that paired with magnesium is very important for, uh, neurotransmitters. Um, and, um, the vitamin D, you know, is helps support hormone hormones related to mental health as well. Um, and essential fatty acids, there's just so much research to show how good it is for everything. So just take it, you know, like it's good stuff, but yeah, I like L-theanine. I like GABA, you know, these are aminos that cut the excitatory, uh, activity of neurotransmitters as a replacement for psychiatric meds. And, you know, what I love about them is, there's no side effects, right? Mm-hmm. So every medication you take 100% of every medication has a toxicity. So we don't have that with that. So it's pretty amazing. Um, I think once you get into these other types of, you know, like a GABA L-theanine mix and things like that, you know, it's a great idea to get help 
from a functional doctor who can maybe even test out. You can do saliva testing for your neurotransmitters and um, but starting with those basic ones, I mean, honestly, everybody should be on those and, and then work forward and figure out, okay, I still have anxiety. Oh, I have OCD, you know, but there's great, you know, all you have to do is search around kids, look on Google, you know, find someone supplements for ADHD. My blog will probably come up. Um, <laughs> um, because they work. I mean, don't you see them working? They're helpful. Yes. Yes. One of my children loves L-theanine. Um, yeah. and that is always in our house. I mean, like everything that you're saying, I'm like, I, I am living proof that these things work. GABA is my best friend for my racing brain. <laughs> I so love it. Amazing. Yeah. Right. And no side effects. I'm not seeing weird things. I'm not feeling drugged. It's, I just feel good. So yes. Feel good. Yeah. yeah. It's a good, because again, it's cutting that excitatory neurotransmitters, um, you know, naturally it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Wow. This has been so great. So I'm going to ask you one last question that I love to ask. And that is if you could give one piece of advice to spark someone toward wholeness, what would that be? You know, I, Oh God, so much advice. I would just say that, um, to start somewhere. So a lot of times people look and then they say, I'm going to do this, but you know what? I should just put them on the Ritalin. I should put them on the Concerta. Just pick something, a natural, there's so many evidence-based treatments. So supplements are evidence-based. Breath work is evidence-based. Neurofeedback is evidence-based. Start somewhere and stick with it, you know? stay on this treatment for three to six months. Don't just do it for a week and discontinue. Right. Um, and that's really important. So we, we have been conditioned that things are fast because people think medication is fast when it's typically not. And you can testify to that. Mm -hmm. um, it's usually a rabbit hole of bad things, yeah. right? And that's the standard that they don't want us to talk about. Um, and so, you know, just, you can't things, things didn't happen overnight. They're not going to fix overnight. So have patience, start somewhere and just do it. And, you know, trust that there is the, do the research because there's tons of research and on these types of things and, uh, you know, kids and you are a living testament to yeah. how a holistic natural lifestyle change your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was medicated for 18 years and I have been off for now six, so it can happen. Amazing. And I just, for anybody out there that is wondering, like, I, I just don't know. I don't know. Like you said, start somewhere. It absolutely can start happen. somewhere. So. Even if you can only start with that smoothie or you start with practicing breath work every day, just start with it, start and stick with it. I mean, and you, you will be, it's shocking sometimes for my clients when I'm like, could you just do this one thing? And I'm like, give me a, send me an email when, when it happens and stuff. And they're, they're thrilled. I mean, it doesn't happen like that for everybody out of the gate. It depends on what's going on. And we don't, we don't do it, but most people, I mean, even just the feelings that you get knowing that you're helping your kids with natural things instead of giving them medications, which don't have efficacy behind them. Um, but certainly have a, a very high risk of causing some very serious side effects. Yes. So I see more hands down incomparable. I get more people having severe side effects from medications than I do actually ever helping anybody. Wow. Yeah, like incomparable. Yeah. It's not even 50, 50. 
I'm going to tell you 95% of the time, somebody's got a pretty bad side effect versus maybe, maybe 5%. Somebody's got something positive going on. So, you know, and I can get a complex population, but isn't the population complex now, you know, we have layered issues. So, yeah. So get started, feel good about it and stick with it. Well, thank you so much. And where can people find your website? Your, I know you've got a great social media going on um, Instagram and TikTok, right? Yeah. I'm on TikTok too. Yeah. Yay. We just started. We were supposed to film some videos today. We didn't get, we didn't get to, well, you can find me, uh, you know, mostly just search Dr. Roseanne, drrosanne.com, childrensmentalhealth.com. And then we're going to have a summit called the get unstuck summit. And it's for parents with kids who feel like their kids are stuck. And we're going to have amazing speakers. I got Pete Wright from Wright's Law. JJ Virgin's going to be on there. A bunch of my friends, um, parenting experts. It's a mini summit. So it's not too much because I feel like parents are overwhelmed. Um, And uh, we're really going to try to give, we will give everybody actionable tools to help turn around their behaviors because everybody is worried about their kids right now. And they don't have to be a special needs kid. Um, so lots of good, I really carefully selected speakers, knowing what people were asking for. Like my friend, Dr. Burns, uh, Krista Burns, she can talk about digital dementia oh, and what wow. to stop all this slide we're having from being on our technology. How appropriate is that? I'd love to hear her speak too. So oh, this is, that's awesome. And I just, you are a wealth of information. I would love to have you on the show again, because I could just keep talking to you forever. So thank you so much for being part of the Sparking Wholeness show. Well, thank you for having me and good luck everybody on your parenting journey and um, always be kind to yourself. And as I always say, it's going to be okay. Thanks for tuning in to Sparking Wholeness. For more on all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul, check out my website, sparkingwholeness.com. Don't forget to be kind and subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. And to be really kind, you can leave a nice review. I like those.